0: Welcome to Season 3 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Danielle Reynolds talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication.
1: Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 60, Word Wipeout. Today, we are joined by Joe Barron, co-founder of Grey Matter Games and designer of Bad Moji, The Game of Wolf, Office Decathlon, Ridiculous Expositions, betcha and today's spotlight, Word Wipeout. Thanks for being on the show, man.
0: Thanks for having me, Danielle. I'm excited.
1: Of course. Uh, To get us started, we always like to know, how did you get into the game design community?
0: Oh, Uh, well, it started on a family road trip. Uh, We were coming back from Tombstone, Arizona. There's not a whole lot between Tombstone and Phoenix. So uh, the two most competitive people I know, uh, my wife and my mom, wanted me to entertain them with a game. And so I came up with this kind of like minute or... um, Uh, name that tune kind of betting trivia game uh, in the Mm -hmm. car and it ended up becoming our first game called You Betcha.
1: That's so funny. I'm from Arizona and I can definitely say that I've had to come up with games to entertain myself on those highways (laughs) Uh, or off roads. Okay. And so how did that end up like continuing on into becoming a co-founder of Grey Matter?
0: Yeah, I had no intention of... uh, of making a board game out of it, but we prototyped it and people loved it. So we decided to to do a Kickstarter uh, for the game. Uh, that was successful and we kept going. We did ridiculous expositions. That game actually made it into Target. So we were just kind of off to the races. And uh, now we're publishing our ninth game this year and in, in, in our fifth year in business.
1: Wow. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what made you decide on Gray Matter Games being the name of the company?
0: Yeah, it's, it's twofold. Uh, the first one is, you know, we want to keep the, the brain active and, and games that are really inclusive and fun for everyone. And then the second piece is uh, we, den- we donate a meaningful portion of our profits to the Alzheimer's Association. We've had some of our grandparents pass away from the disease. So we wanted to have a philanthropic piece to the business as well.
1: That is so nice. My great aunt also uh, passed away. Similar situation, so yeah, it's that a, is really it's a nice. Tough one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then let's talk about our spotlight word wipeout. How did that
0: game come into the world? We partnered with uh, a graphic design class at College of DuPage, and it it, it was kind of a mix of uh, I would say Scrabble and Scategories. That is what we were looking for. And really we were trying to design something that was fun with a timer, something new. So they did all the graphic design. They actually helped a lot with the gameplay and we left it on the shelf for actually a year or two before we, we brought it into production, kind of trying to uh, go off the the Wordle hype because we thought word games would be hot uh, last year, which they, they did really well. Um, yeah, we were looking for a good work game and here it is.
1: What made you decide to partner up with the college of DuPage? Was it something like a professor reached out to you and they were looking for like an internship opportunity for their students? Like how did that collaboration work?
0: Yeah. I work out of an incubator called innovation DuPage. An incubator is simply um, a place where entrepreneurs go to get resources and and network with other entrepreneurs to grow their business. And one of their founding partners is the College of DuPage, which is uh, the second-largest uh, educational institution in Illinois. It's got over twenty-five thousand students, and their graphic design program, um, their like capstone project is they bring in an actual client, and then they they work for them. So. Also, as a client, they created an entire game.
1: That's super cool. I also went to school out in that area and I was at North Central College. If you didn't do an internship, you basically had to do something like that. You got paired up with a company and had to do whatever uh, they were interested in. So that is super cool. How many students ended up working with you?
0: It was three students. Uh, They now have their name on the the back of the box as the designers of the game. So, you know, they can go into Barnes and Noble and See their name on the game box. Very cool. And then how do you play the game? Yeah. So uh, you lay out all 26 letters of the alphabet, which are tiles. And you get a category. Let's say it's uh, Star Wars characters. You hit the timer and you have 25 seconds to say an answer and then pick up all the letters to that answer. So you could go something very easy like Yoda. You only have to pick up four letters. Or you could go big and go like Luke Skywalker right? But if you don't get all the tiles in 25 seconds, then other people can steal the tiles that you missed. Um, Then the game gets increasingly harder as there's less and less tiles on the board.
1: So with tiles missing, say I was going for Yoda, but someone's already taken the O and the D, do I just grab, do I say like Y, O, D, A, but only grab the Y and the A?
0: That's right. Yep. Okay.
1: And so then does the game end when no more tiles are remaining?
0: Yeah, no more tiles or everyone passes. So so when you get to, you know, there might be two letters left you're like, "Oh, what has a what has a Z in it or what, you know, some of the harder letters." Um so there's kind of that fun one where like, "Oh, I how did I not think of uh, you know, Darth Vader, you know, the V was still out there."
1: Did you ever play the game Word on the Street? Uh, as soon as, so like I, I have played your game and I played yours. And then later I played word on the street, which had kind of a, like a seesaw mechanic of, they had all the letters down except for the vowels and they would have different kind of uh, categories. And basically you would like, as your team, cause you're playing team against team, you would try to within whatever period of time, I don't remember if it was like a minute or 30 seconds or whatever it was but you'd have to like kind of answer and spell it out. And like you would move the pieces, but they would keep moving back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Yours kind of reminded me of that, except a lot quicker and just like not uh, a team game as much, but did you ever like explore a team angle with this game?
0: No, we, we didn't. Um, we, we do a, a lot of play testing um, with a group called the creative fold. And some some really good things came out of that, but I would say we really like that individual effort of one person can kind of shine during the game as an individual.
1: Gotcha. And so then if someone were to like steal a letter because a person missed it, is it stealing because of misspelling something or just not being quick enough to grab? How does that part work?
0: So you can you can steal a letter if someone either the timer runs out or they just missed the letter. Um, So one, one funny thing that happened in our first play test I'm playing with, was playing with one of our interns and I did like, let's say Darth Vader. And I was grabbing up the letters and I, and I was like, Oh, I think I got them all. And he's like, Oh yeah, you got them all. Like press the button. So I pressed the button and he goes, no, you didn't. And he stole the D and I was like, okay. All right. Now it's on. So he totally, totally duped me into uh, stealing a letter.
1: Oh, man, I would definitely be that person. I am such a terrible speller. And I'm assuming you probably can't be whipping out your phone trying to spell it in that period of 25 seconds.
0: No, no, there's no time.
1: Oh, geez. And so you have kind of like the standard game and then you have the more advanced, on um, the two different sides of the card, correct?
0: Yeah, we made it so it's really easy to scale up depending on kind of the age level that you're playing with. There's a, a beginner and advanced side to the categories, and then there's a beginner and advanced side to the letter tiles. So the back of the letter tiles is more like Scrabble, where the more difficult the letter is, the more points you get for it.
1: Oh, interesting. So then, what would you say the age group is for, like the beginner tiles versus the advanced tiles, or I, I should say the cards, the categories?
0: Yeah, I think uh, the beginner is more like eight years old to to sixteen, and then the advanced are sixteen and above. I think it. I think they could play anything. It just we wanted to make sure that. Um, you know if parents are playing with their kids, they would have an easier time with with scoring and with uh with some categories that are are more available to to like an eight year old
1: and how did you come up with the categories and decide what uh level they would fall under
0: uh there's there's no uh <laughs> science to it at all um you know through through some play testing we'll we'll adjust things but um you know, we, we do something where like, okay, uh, this one is fruits, is the beginner side, and then the back is like fruits with a pin, right? So there's, there's a broader range of answers to the beginner side generally.
1: Okay, so you need to like expand upon it. Do you have like a word limit? Because like in your example, Darth Vader is two words, but it is a person's name. What are the rules around that?
0: You know, we, we didn't set parameters around the amount of words that you can use.
1: So like if I were to say super califragilistic, it's okay?
0: Yes, but if you can't grab all the letters, yeah. <laughs> then everyone's stealing it.
1: Do they have access to being able to steal like in the moment or do they have to wait for the timer to run out?
0: They have to wait for the timer to run out or the person hits the timer and they haven't grabbed all the letters. So they might've forgot a letter or two.
1: What if someone says, oh, you spelled this wrong? What happens then?
0: So we have a flag on the play. Everyone starts the game with uh, two flags. And if you, let's say, either you provide a wrong answer to the category or you spell it wrong, someone can throw the flag. And if if their challenge is, is correct, then they get to take any of the tiles that player played on that particular turn.
1: what do you normally see as far as like the score differences? like are they typically pretty close games? Do you have a tie break
0: they're typically typically pretty close games um there is definitely first player advantage because you have all the letters available to you, but everyone gets a chance to 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 play first but yeah, I mean there's there's somewhere. You know, there's good catch-up mechanics in terms of we have bonus letters where you get two to three times the amount of the, the the points on the tile. So, yeah, we have a lot of close games. Okay. And the tiebreaker, do you have one? I don't think we do have one. I think you just play one more round head-to-head.
1: I mean, that's always, that's always a good work, <laughs> especially yeah. for party games. I feel like just play it one more time or they just don't care. Yeah okay and then you said that you held this game for a while before deciding to publish it and uh it was because of like the wordle and spelling or i guess word craze that you decided Mm -hmm. that that was the next product you wanted to do how did you go about that at that point
0: so yeah you know we had it sitting on the shelf for a year to 18 months and then when we're like all right this is going to be the game we heavily play tested it again and then tweaked some of the art um like one thing we added, if you're looking at the box, uh, the hand is wearing a watch, and the watch has like a QR code on it. So we, so we just really elevated the game again. One interesting thing that came out of the, the second round of playtesting is uh, one of the playtesters' parents were both deaf, and so they couldn't play the game because the timer only had sound. And so we added a light to the timer. So now, when it's on, um, there's a, an LED light that also shows. And then when there's five seconds left, it starts beeping faster and faster. So it made it more inclusive for the, the hard of hearing.
1: Oh, that's so cool. When it's at the five seconds, does it also kind of like flash the light?
0: Yep. As it a starts, warning? It starts flashing and it goes faster and faster until it stops.
1: Oh, that's so fun. That's so cool, though, that uh, through play testing you realized that that was something that you could add to the game to make it more yeah. accessible.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we're trying to do more and more of that, trying to, you know, find diverse sets of people to play test the game to make sure everyone can play. I mean, there's well, after that happened, I looked at the stat, there's 80 million people globally that are hard of hearing. I mean, opens it up to a lot more people.
1: And you said that you have kind of a play testing group typically? Um, What was their name again?
0: There's a group that we work with called the Creative Fold. They do professional playtesting for us. And then I also am part of a playtesting group uh, here in the Chicago area. What does it look like to work
1: with a professional playtesting group versus just like creating your own groups or like going to your friends or I don't know, on those meetup apps or something?
0: I think I get a, a better like honest opinions and that they're very organized. So like they create the questions and they give, they create surveys and very good feedback. And they also have a very wide range of people that they can play test with. Um, Where I feel like when I go to a play test and I'm bringing my game that they're testing, I get a, you know, they're maybe being a little bit nicer than they should be sometimes. Yeah. I feel
1: like you can occasionally get the people pleasing where they're just like, I just want to be invited back to this, but it's not especially helpful because it's better to just be candid and rip apart the design if it needs to be ripped apart. Yeah, and Of course, in a productive way, don't just say you don't like it. Say why you don't like it.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: No, that's really cool though. I was, I'm was i always curious how uh, different publishers work with playtesting, if they have their own groups or they have like an advisory group or they just uh, source it out. But Very nice. And then clearly because you had the timer that you were able to adjust to add the light, how much playtesting do you do with like basically almost the final product before you decide to hit print on the mass run?
0: At, At that point, it's very minimal. I would say it's more on tweaking the instructions to make sure they're perfectly clear. So I'll send it to like five different people and that don't know anything about the game. And then see if they can understand it by just reading the instruction. Awesome. So you do some blind play testing beforehand. Yeah.
1: Very cool. And so then how long do you think it took from the initial like inspiration to having the game out in the public for people to play?
0: Oh, we started that project with College of DuPage in February, 2020. And then it launched last September. So it's, you know, two and a half years.
1: Okay. I feel like that's a pretty decent time period. Are you still working with any of those students?
0: I'm not working with any of those students, but uh, our, our graphic designer on our team is also, a, she's a College of du- DuPage grad. And then we had another uh, College of DuPage student just do one of those three games that we uh, are creating for TJ Maxx and Marshalls. And she so cool. did a wonderful job. She did, And she did it in three weeks.
1: <laughs> That's impressive. Sounds like her schooling was very uh, good.
0: <laughs> she is. Yeah, she is very talented.
1: That's amazing. And so now that it's out uh, since September, how have you been seeing sales going for this? Like, are people responding well to the game?
0: Yeah, sales have been great. We were on the, the holiday table for Barnes & Noble, uh, which was, you know really important and it gets a lot of visibility because it's that table right when you walk into Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Um, and then we've been working with a TikTok influencer called games for two. And they've had a couple videos go viral. Uh, one I think is over 2 million views Wow. at this point. Um, so that helped with, you know, online sales and uh, getting traction at Barnes and Noble as well.
1: That's amazing. And so then what would you say was your favorite and your least favorite uh, experience in the journey of this design?
0: Definitely most favorite is was working with the students. I'm not a creative when it comes to des, like the design. I like creating the content, but the design process is the most fun thing of, you know, having, it's like creating something from nothing because they're just coming up with, uh, you know, going through the mood board and Picking all that and then actually seeing like a finished product is so much fun. Um, least favorite part was uh, through production, they messed up the circuit board. So they had to throw away 7,000 circuit boards and restart. Holy crap. <laughs> and uh, wow. that delayed us <laughs> by like six weeks uh, in delivering. So that was pretty nerve wracking. It's all part of being a publisher.
1: Very true. Very true. Yeah. Nothing's... I feel like you just have to give yourself cushion just in case stuff like that happens. And electronics are so much worse than like a printing mistake because printing can get fixed a lot easier.
0: Yeah. I mean, with the supply chain issues that were still prevalent last year, circuit boards were hard to come by. So it was, you know, we were already delayed and then they're like, yeah, we got to scrap these 7,000 and give it another run
1: (laughs) did that make you feel like you would avoid electronics in the future
0: um i don't think so that was i mean this was our first game with electronics so there's definitely a a, a steep learning curve but no i think i think we do it again if uh if it fit the gameplay
1: okay I guess I forgot to ask when you were working with the college of DuPage students, were you going to the college to like physically work with them or was it more like remote? How
0: was that? So yeah, we started, if you think about the timing, it was February, 2020 when we started and our first meeting we had in person and I brought like a crappy prototype and we kind of played, played the game together and then COVID hit. So after that first meeting, everything became remote.
1: That's kind of a bummer, but I guess, I mean, for the time, it's what needed to happen.
0: Yeah, it was a strange time for everyone, that's for sure.
1: And if you could offer one piece of advice for game designers, what would that be?
0: Ooh, That's a loaded question, Danielle.
1: I mean, (laughs) you chose (laughs) to be on this podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I think as I've you know, grown as a as a game designer and learned about the publishing side. Um, I would say think about the marketability of the game just as much as the gameplay, because a lot of your uh, your customers in the end are your oh, your bo- almost like the game sitting on the shelf has to sell itself because a lot of people aren't going to know what the gameplay is. It could be the best gameplay in the world, but. If it doesn't sell itself on the shelf, then it's just not going to sell very well.
1: Yeah, that cover is really important. So having good graphic designer illustration is quite important.
0: Yeah, I think the way I look at it is that front should make someone want to pick it up. And then the back should be able to tell you what the game is in 30 seconds in a fun way.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like that's a good rule of thumb, especially for more mass market like games.
0: Yeah, you know, as I'm in a lot of uh, some different playtest groups, I think people get so hung up on like the game mechanics being so perfect and they don't think they don't spend any time thinking about the marketability and who would buy this and why and what occasions would they buy this for. So I would almost start there and then that can almost help drive the gameplay a little bit more.
1: It's kind of funny because most of the games that I have designed that I have published with my name, it was here's a name or here's like a very specific set of things we want to make the game. And like, that's mm-hmm. basically how it worked. It was kind of like, here's the box cover and now make a game that's going to go inside of it. And yeah. I mean, it does work, especially if you want it to be in like a Target or a Walgreens or Amazon or whatever. Very different from the mentality of trying to create, like, a heavy Euro game where that's very mechanic-heavy, and then the theme might just be slapped on last second. Right. Very different. Okay. Well, then you mentioned some games that might potentially be coming out. What kind of game should fans be looking out for in the future
0: from you all? Yeah, so our next game coming out is called Wrong Answers Only. Uh, So if you're familiar with kind of this on social media where someone will post – uh, either a topic or a picture, and then they're asking for wrong answers to that, you know, movie poster or to a question like, what does LOL stand for? Uh, so it's it's a game that's just going to get a lot of laughs. Um, one example, we, we played uh, with my 12-year-old uh, cousin, and the question was, what are Girl Scout cookies made out of? And her answer was Boy Scouts. <laughs> and we I awalled. was
1: literally going to say that. <laughs> Take down the competition.
0: Uh, our, my aunt spit out her wine because uh, she just wasn't expecting that. And that, that's like, you know, one of those you'll remember forever, like a, just a fun family memory. So, you know, th- that's more and more what we want to create is something that the whole family can sit down and play. and It's going to create a memory that you're going to talk about forever.
1: No, that's so awesome. Those are definitely the games uh, that I would play. One of my friends posted on Twitter, like, what's a game that you played over 100 times? And honestly, the only ones that I've played over 100 times are things like Loaded Questions, which is a party game where you're kind of just answering questions because it's a family mm-hmm. staple that I play with my family and always creates some funny moments and laughs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My, mine was Categories, as, as a, That's what we played as a family growing up.
1: Yeah, I played that one a lot at, like, family reunions. It was always good, too.
0: And, and and you get to the point where you memorize, like, all the double and triple letter for each letter in the, each category.
1: Okay, I clearly did not play it as much as you did. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> wow. Well, awesome. Okay, well, then for my last question, I would love to know if you could be the designer of a game you did not design, which one would you choose?
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, um, i'm gonna i'm gonna go with one that I played a a lot as a kid second place to categories was cranium I just liked how inclusive that was i I liked the idea of everyone i i think the mantra around it was everyone gets a chance to shine and that's just where we're headed with great matters games on um, the types of games that we wanna create something where everyone gets their chance to to be the superstar and Creates uh, those lifelong memories.
1: I used to love Cranium. What was your favorite category? Star performer. Checks out. Makes sense.
0: (laughs) Love doing, yeah, like the humdinger and like the, you know, uh, the impersonation ones. Those are great. I'm not the creative cat, that's for sure. But star performer and like the the trivia one.
1: Oh, God. I was not a fan of that little worm guy. I hated the trivia.
0: Oh, yeah. Spelling things backwards and... It was just a great game, right? Everyone, there was like, there's so much meat to it.
1: Yeah. And so many different like expansions of different ways to play. I'm excited that Funko is kind of bringing it back because I feel like a lot of kids are going to enjoy playing that like we did. I agree. Well, awesome. Uh, Thanks for joining us for this episode of Game Design unbox, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 60, Word Wipeout. And thanks Mm -hmm. again, Joe, for joining us. For anyone trying to find you or your company online, how can you be reached?
0: Yeah. Find us at greatmattersgames.com. Sweet.
1: And then you can find me, Danielle Reynolds, uh, under the social media tag Token Gamer on Instagram and on Twitter. But thanks, Joe, once again for coming on the show.
0: Thank you, Danielle. Thank you for joining Danielle for another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. Join us next time.